Love in a Cottage by Francis A. Darrivage. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Love in a Cottage by Francis A. Darrivage. Tell me, Charlie, who is that fascinating creature in blue that waltzes so divinely? asked young Frank Belmont of his friend Charles Hastings as they stood playing wallflower for the moment at the military ball. Julia Heathcote, answered Charles with half a sigh, an old flame of mine. I proposed, but she refused me. On what ground? Simply because I had a comfortable income. Her head is full of romantic notions, and she dreams of nothing but love in a cottage. She contends that poverty is essential to happiness, and money its bane. Have you given up all hopes of her? Entirely. In fact, I am engaged. Then you have no objection to my addressing this dear romantic angel? None, whatever. But I see my fiancée. Excuse me, I must walk through the next quadrille with her. Frank Belmont was a stranger in Boston, a New Yorker, immensely rich and fashionable, but his reputation had not preceded him, and Charlie Hastings was the only man who knew him in New England. He procured an introduction to the beauty from one of the managers, and soon danced and talked himself into her good graces. In fact, it was a clear case of love at first sight on both sides. The enamoured pair were sitting apart, enjoying a most delightful tete-a-tete. Suddenly Belmont heaved a deep sigh. "'Why do you sigh, Mr. Belmont?' asked the fair Julia, somewhat pleased with his proof of sensibility. "'Is not this a gay scene?' "'Alas, yes,' replied Belmont gloomily. "'But fate does not permit me to mingle habitually in scenes like this.' They only make my ordinary life doubly gloomy, and even here I deem to see the shadow of a fiend waving me away. What right have I to be here? What fiend do you allow to? asked Miss Heathcote with increasing interest. A fiend hardly presentable in good society, replied Belmont bitterly. One could tolerate a Mephistopheles, a dignified fiend, with his pockets full of money, but my tormentor, if personified, would appear with seedy boots and a shocking bad hat. How absurd! It is too true, sighed Belmont, and the name of this fiend is Poverty. Are you poor? Yes, madam, I am poor, and when I would fain render myself agreeable in the eyes of beauty, in the eyes of one I could love, this fiend whispers me, beware you have nothing to offer her but love in a cottage mr belmont said julia with sparkling eyes and a voice of unusual animation although there are solid souls in this world who only judge of the merits of an individual by his pecuniary possessions i am not one of that number i respect poverty there is something highly poetical about it and I imagine that happiness is oftener found in the humble cottage than beneath the palace roof. Belmont appeared enchanted with his encouraging avowal. The next day, after cautioning his friend Charlie to say nothing of his actual circumstances, 
he called on the widow heathcote and her fair daughter in the character of the poor gentleman the widow had very different notions from her romantic offspring and when belmont candidly confessed his poverty on soliciting permission to address julia he was very politely requested to change the subject and never mention it again the result of all this manoeuvring was an elopement the bell of the ball jumping out of a chamber window on a shed and coming down a flight of steps to reach her lover for the sake of being romantic when she might just as well have walked out of the front door the happy couple passed a day in new york city and then frank took his beloved to his cottage an irish hack conveyed them to a miserable shanty in the environs of new york where they alighted and frank escorting the bride into the apartment which served for parlor kitchen and drawing-room and was neither papered nor carpeted introduced her to his mother much in the way claude melnot presents pauline the old woman who was peeling potatoes hastily wiped her hands and face with a greasy apron and saluted her darter as she called her on both cheeks can it be possible thought julia that this vulgar creature is my belmont's mother frank screamed the old woman you'd better go right upstairs and take off them clothes for the boy's been sent arter em more than fifty times frank borry them clothes ma'am she added to julia by way of explanation to look smart when he went down east the bridegroom retired of this hint and soon reappeared in a pair of faded nankin pantaloons reaching to about the calf of the leg a very shabby black coat out at the elbows a ragged black vest and instead of his varnished leather boots a pair of immense cowhide brogans now said he sitting quietly down by the cooking stove i begin to feel at home ah this is delightful isn't it dearest and he warbled though never so humble there's no place like home julia's heart swelled so that she could not utter a word dearest said frank i think you told me you had no objection to smoking none in the least said the bride i rather like the flavor of a cigar oh a cigar replied belmont that would never do for a poor man and oh horror he produced an old clay pipe and filling it from a little newspaper parcel of tobacco began to smoke with a keen relish dinner dinner he exclaimed at length ah thank you mother i'm as hungry as a bear codfish and potatoes julia not very tempting fare but what of that our ailment is love yes and by way of treat added the old woman i been and gone and bought a whole pint of albany ale and three cream cakes from the candy shop next block poor julia pleaded indisposition and could not eat a mouthful before belmont however the codfish and potatoes and the ale and cream cakes disappeared with a very unromantic and unlover-like velocity at the close of the meal a thundering double knock was heard at the door come in cried belmont a low-browed man in a green waistcoat entered now mr belmont he exclaimed in a strong hibernian accent are ye ready to go to work 
by the powers if i don't see ye sail to-morrow on the shop-board i'll discharge ye without a character and ye shall starve on the top of that to-morrow morning mr maloney replied belmont meekly i'll be at my post and it'll be mighty healthy for you to do that same replied the man as he retired belmont speak tell me gasped julia who is that man that loafer he's my employer answered belmont smiling and his profession he's a tailor and you i'm a journeyman tailor at your service a laborious and thankless calling it ever was to me but now dearest as i drive the hissing goose across the smoking seam i shall think of my own angel and my dear cottage and be happy that night julia retired weeping to her room in the attic that ere counterpane darter said the old woman i worked with these here old hands ain't it putty i hope you'll sleep well here there's a broken pane of glass but i'll put one of frank's old hats in it and i don't think you'll feel the draught there used to be a good many rats here but i don't think they'll trouble you now for frank's been a piecing in of em left alone julia threw herself into a chair and burst into a flood of tears even belmont had ceased to be attractive in her eyes the stern privations that surrounded her banished all thoughts of love the realities of life had cured her in one day of all her quixotic notions well julia how do you like poverty and love in a cottage asked belmont entering in his bridal dress not so well sir as you seem to like that borrowed suit answered the bride reddening with vexation very well you shall suffer it no longer my carriage awaits your orders at the door your carriage indeed yes dearest it waits but for you to bear us to belmont hall my lovely villa on the hudson and your mother i have no mother alas the old woman downstairs is an old servant of the family then you've been deceiving me frank how wicked it was all done with good motive you were not born to endure a life of privation but to shine the ornament of an elegant and refined circle i hope you will not love me the less when you learn that i am worth nearly half a million that's the melancholy fact and i can't help it oh frank cried the beautiful girl and hid her face in his bosom she presided with grace at the elegant festivities of belmont hall and seemed to support her husband's wealth and luxurious style of living with the greatest fortitude and resignation never complaining of her comforts nor murmuring a wish for living in a cottage end of love in a cottage by francis a durivage read by lars rolander